productivity. Productivity. Gladiator. I'm Brian Nelson Palmer. On this show, we talk about life balance and personal productivity. It's about leveling up the person as a whole with topics that work both at home and at work. And in this episode, I want to do a little something different because this is about getting, giving, and excelling at TED Talks. Uh, and I wanted to share because I had the opportunity to do a TED Talk recently, and it was a phenomenal experience. And I kind of wanted a bearing on, okay, how is this? It was my experience similar to the regular experience. And I kind of wanted to share for those folks that are interested. I've had some people ask me about what it's like to do a TED Talk and that kind of stuff. So uh, with me today, I actually have Suness Stevens, who's the founder and creative director of Your Speaking Journey. So Suness, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Such a joy to be with you, Brian. And what is, for those folks who don't know, like your speaking journey, they've never heard of it. Talk about you, your speaking journey, and how your your connection with TED. Thank you. Uh, I, my name is Sines Stevens. I am the founder and creative director of Your Speaking Journey. I'm coached to over 140 TED and TEDx speakers around the world. I'm also a TED Worldwide and four-time TEDx speaker, as well as a three-time academic journal publisher of uh, <laughs> talks about or about <laughs> communications. <laughs> So that's the academic side of me. So people are like, wow, you spend all your time on stages and TV and radio, Sines. And then like on the other side, when I talk about academics, that's when I start getting back into my introverted side. (laughs) But I am am an active publisher in academic journals. And yeah, and that's where I'm at. So as as far as TED and my relationship with TED and TEDx, uh, I do not represent TED or the brand. Uh, I'm literally the first TEDx speaker coach in the world. So I started an industry back in the day based on one of the textbooks that I wrote about speaking from the heart. And the it was the first multimedia textbook used in the Japanese university system. And based on the publications that I wrote, and you know, most people know me from Fox and NHK TV and how I was on the stage and tour for over 15 years. Wow. That is, well, it's certainly my hope for today was that I'd be able to, I wanted to kind of compare, okay, this was my experience versus the kind of overall experience. And so I really appreciate you being here to shed some light on with, with all the different speakers you've worked with in your own experience. Clearly, this will be really good to kind of be able to give a a general, more general experience as opposed to Mm -hmm. just what I went through and that kind of thing. So this is, thank you very much for being here. And actually, I'm curious along that topic. I want to know what, what would you say makes you different from there are other, in my journey with Ted, I did run into other people who are Ted coaches or, you know, they speaker coaches. So what would you say makes you different from other speaker coaches or tech coaches? Well, it's interesting that you've talked to other people and then you were like, hey, Sinas, I want to talk with you. (laughs) So, I mean, there must have been something there for you to say, wow, there's something unique about her process and how she communicates and what that looks like. Uh, You know, I think what we do is a little different because we start, most people are like, oh, here's an idea. And one of the first things we need to think about is, is the first idea the best idea? Because often it's not. How do we go deeper into it? As the cellist Yo-Yo Ma says, do you know Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist? I'm familiar, yeah. Brilliant. Um, you might even see his commercials for Masterclass right now. But he he says, uh, without deep contemplation, you're just communicating sheer sound. And so what we do that's a little different is not start with a formula or a structure. It's literally getting deep into deep contemplation, creative work, and how do we how do we find what that 
that heart of your idea really is. And I've lived in Japan for more than 25 years. I go, I'm like you, Brian, you're like a snowbird moving from north to south. Mm -hmm. Uh, I spend half my time in the US and abroad and wherever my speakers call me to and half my time in Japan. Um, And one of the things we talk about is our kokoro zashi and Japanese uh, Japanese kanji for this or the characters for it is kokoro is heart and zashi means to pierce through. So to pierce through the heart and we sit down and really search for what's piercing through the heart to find the universal truth and that connection. And then wow. from there, we can start the creative process. Very cool. So it's well, very I'm, mindful. It's very, it's very zen. I was going to say, it's very <laughs> different than, you know, Ted's, the, the premise of Ted is an idea worth spreading. And mm-hmm. it sounds like for you, it's an idea worth spreading, but more about getting to the heart of the person who's has this idea that might be worth spreading and connecting all of that together. I don't know. That's what I'm getting on this side. Well, yeah, actually, one of my speakers, Johnson, he spoke on how to break up with your toxic family. And when we started working on his idea, and it took a year to develop that talk. And when we started working on that idea, he's like, I think the idea is this. And I'm like, well, you know, Ted and TEDx, he's a shaman. They, they're not okay. going to go for the shaman side of things. They're not going to go for the pseudoscience. Let's dig and get to the heart of what it is. And on day one, I don't know mm-hmm. why, but I mind map everything. And I drew this piano keyboard. Mm-hmm. I draw this. I have no idea. And then session two, as we're deep, deep diving into his kokorozashi, his heart's mission, he says, so did I ever tell you that uh, I'm a classically trained pianist? I'm like, no, I, I had no idea. He said, yeah, well, my mom wanted me to become one, you know, so I could teach piano lessons at home and she could take care of my kids. However, the only problem with that is I'm gay. I don't want kids and I hate the piano. <laughs> okay. And I was like, well, there you go. And so we started diving down there and, and figuring out what it was that he really wanted to communicate. I guess a piano keyboard came into play. Not a psychic. Have played one on TV and movies. But, <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, so, so we get to go deeper into it. And really, the essence of its idea was not about shamanism. And it is because he is. But it's not just yeah. something that's uh, ethereal. But how do we bring it back to easily digestible and accessible pieces that the audience can latch onto. And then as well, like his workshops have been filling up, his he's been doing retreats abroad. So those have been filling up. That's great too. And yeah. we want to give an access point. And uh, it did come down to how to break up with your toxic family. That's it's, wild. Okay. It's epic. I think I'm getting a good, I like this. I like this a lot. Well, let's talk about, so the TED, I kind of want to kind of break it down into four sort of sections that I kind of want to pick your brain on and just discuss. Uh, what, the first is applying and getting selected for a TED talk. You know, maybe a couple thoughts or tips on that and what that's like. Uh, mm-hmm. Then developing your talk. Once you get selected, you also have to develop. And of course, that. They might go in different order, understand, but we'll talk about the developing of your talk and the delivering of your talk. And then I'm kind of curious your thoughts on uh, or recommendations on what, once you've done the talk, then what? So let's jump up to that. So in the first part, if folks are not familiar, oftentimes the question that comes up for folks that aren't familiar is, okay, how do you get a TED Talk? Um, and before we do that, one of the things that I want to ask is, so Ness, I'm kind of curious, your th- when do you know you have an idea that's good for a TED Talk? Or is it just you can find, like, is it the idea for, I know you talked about getting into the person. Is it the idea first or is it, what are your thoughts on, on that? How do you know you've got one? Everyone's a little different when it comes to this. The head of TED, Chris Anderson, he says, uh, we 
everyone has an idea worth spreading. And I'd like to add to that when you make it clear, concise, and replicable. Mm -hmm. And getting to the heart of what that is. Like often people will come with an idea and sometimes people know exactly what they want to do. So for example, one of my speakers, um, Kelly Charles Collins, she said, I want to speak on the bystander effect when good people stand by as bad things happen to other good people and say nothing. And immediately that was the direction. We did the deep exploration work. We did a whole bunch of creative work and it all came through with that anyway. It was directly going towards the bystander effect. And the talk is amazing. She got a standing ovation and now she gets, you know, like she has $100,000 speaking months, which is not the goal of my speakers. And it's not the goal of my, my creative services here. It's really to be able to help you find that idea and script from your idea finding the core thesis, which is the thread that ties together your entire talk all the way through to your audition piece and then to developing the entire talk line by line, word for word, so that every word hits with impact. That's what we do. And the creative writing team that I work with here as well, we support you every step of that journey because everyone is a different level writer and how we create and write is that really representing who you are and who you're becoming. On the other side of it is people who come and they're like, I think I have this idea. And some people come, they've already been booked for a TEDx talk. Maybe they were reached out to by the organizers, or maybe they submitted an idea and they're like, I don't know how to to do this. And some people haven't applied for a TEDx talk yet at all. And they think, I know there's something in me, but I'm not quite sure what that is. I see. I think it's this direction. And when we go in that direction, we get to have more creative play and see what's going on underneath all of that. Um, One of my speakers he um, uh, cut on, he came to me and he's like, Hey, I've got booked for this TEDx talk. I want to speak about uh, my company. We teach, <laughs> we teach rich Indian kids how to get to uh, Oxford and Harvard and uh-huh. elite schools. And, you know, he sent over his initial script and I was like, Ooh, Oh, how do I say I wouldn't put you on my stage? Um, right. And we had, I was like, can uh-huh. I have a direct conversation with you about this? And he said, yeah, he's like, I wouldn't put you on my stage with this. Is this all about, I went to the school and I did this and then I got my master's and then I got my PhD and then I got a doctorate and then I got a law degree and, and all these things. Well, you can be just like me, but where was he in all of that? It was more about you can be just like me versus how how is that changing and growing? I, I'm like, I don't know. I have this feeling there's something else in there and I don't know what that is. Will you come with me on a journey and we'll explore it once and see how it goes? He's like, sure. We, we went through and explored and suddenly he he just had this feeling about him. And so I just asked one question. I've never asked anybody before, and I've never asked anyone since. And I'm not going to say mm-hmm. what the question was, but he opened up about this one pivotal moment when he was seven years old. And what he doesn't tell people is that after he closes his elite school for the day, he goes off into the slums and he mentors kids there. And he teaches them the same things that he teaches the wealthy children for free. And his experience mentoring, what that looked like, and he was thinking about creating a workshop on how to get these kids to be able to to defend themselves because every hour in India, eight children are raped. And so we explored that some more. And his talk ended up being about how to stop child rape in India, education. Wow. And it, quite a with, difference. Okay. Quite a difference. And within, um, like within a few months, it had over a million views. And it's him and it's his personality that comes through as well. Like he's like, you know, I want to, I want to do the, you know, the ABC song in our language. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for most people, but you know who you're trying to reach. Mm, And the talk's done in English, but um, 
You yeah. have to also take that into consideration. Who who are you at the heart of all this? Where are you going? What kind of impact are you going to create in the world? And how do you make it so that it's clear, concise, and replicable? Because by the time he walked off that stage, he had 50 volunteers for that That's organization. Cool. And now so, it's all across India. So I'm, I'm, and I'm here. I like that. So it's clear, concise, and replicable is mm-hmm. your idea worth spreading. And that is, okay. Mm-hmm. If you, if you feel, if your gut feeling is, it's, it seems like you might have something there, then then you might have a TED talk. So that's how maybe mm-hmm. you should, if you're looking to, if you're interested in it, that's when you might start applying. Yes. Thinking about so, it that way. So let's look at and part B to your question. May I answer part B? Yeah. Right. So part B is how do you, how do you know when you have that idea? Like I said, some people don't know that they have that idea, but what we'll do is we'll sit down and explore and, and see where that's going. And once we hit it, we know where we're going. 97% of my speakers get booked to speak at TED or TEDx. The only 3% that don't are the ones who don't hit the enter button. And we're not mass sending out applications. I know there's mm-hmm. a new kid on the block who has pretty much copy pasted my website. Um, and <laughs> there's a new kid on the block and he has like a, a, a team that's sending applications to every event, which is causing it to be very difficult to get local people into events. So it's kind of, it's kind of jammed up the system, but we want to make sure that you're speaking to the right people, the right audience and getting the correct avenue for you to share those ideas. And it's still working. Sure. We're still getting through. And yeah. every almost every one of my speakers gets the feedback from the organizer. I saw it. That is the best application and best audition piece I've ever seen. So we make sure we get to the cool. heart of the idea. We put just as much work into Do- the audition piece as your full talk. Got it. Mm. And for the so if they haven't if the if if you listening haven't been through the application process for me what I kind of discovered is you have these events and the events generally have contact information mm-hmm. on their pages and so here they have an open audition period where here the you know we're accepting applications from speakers so you'll fill out the application and each one's a little different because each event is hosted by a different person or a different group. And so you kind of follow the instructions that they have and submit your idea worth, worth spreading and then let them kind of evaluate it. And, and each one is a little different. So I guess, so for me, my experience was that I, it took me two years to finally get selected, but that was also because COVID happened right in the middle. Mm -hmm. So I did some applications and then COVID shut like everything down and then I picked it up again. But I, in the beginning I I did like 21 different applications and researched a bunch of events and none of Mm -hmm. them went through. And so then I kind of went back to the drawing board and what was going on. And it really was, it took a couple of rounds of applications and it was a a lot of work to get there, but I did finally get a a couple of them did get back to me and, and accept my application. So I actually ended up with two offers in the end uh, when I had, I feel like I finally sort of had a better idea on, okay, that you're portraying the idea. Some of the things you've hinted at Sinas with like, you know, connecting it to your, it's a personal story too. It's not just uh, the idea itself, but it's Mm -hmm. connecting it with the person who's delivering it and that kind of stuff. So putting that together, but that's generally the process. Is that, mm. would you add yeah. anything to that? Does that sound about right? Yes. I, I had a, I had a positive psychologist who had applied to 13 different TEDx events before he started working with me. And then we started working together and immediately he got booked for three different events. Now here's the thing. And I'll go back and let me reference another person, Shirley Lou. She's the VP of L'Oreal Paris. And when we mm. were working together on her applications, uh, you know, there was a lot of like, ah, I'm not sure. Like she kept saying this one phrase, which was beautiful. She said, a 
cor- a corporation is a collective of souls to blossom. And I was like, wow, that's such a brilliant idea. I've never heard him. Yeah. She's like, I want to talk about mentorship. And it was like, that's been done. This is something unique I've never heard of. And okay. yeah, and finally, she got to the point like, I had this idea. What if a corporation is a collective of unique souls to blossom? Like, there you go. <laughs> but uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> it takes people a while to get there. And she applied to different TEDx events. And I said, you know, your events are definitely going to be, there's a Harvard of Paris Oxford and Cambridge. These are going to be your events. She's like, what about this little coastal town off uh, off the UK? I said, well, you live in Paris. I think this little coastal town is going to be looking for locals who maybe, you know, put up a dam for the flooding or doing something very locally oriented. I really think your events are Harvard to Paris, Cambridge, Oxford. She's like, ah, and she's like, ah, yeah. I'm like, what about, you know, London? I said, that's not your event. That's hard sciences, your social sciences. Let's, you know, it's a waste of their time, a waste of your time. And you don't want to waste the organizer's time because it's only volunteers who are working so hard. And we want to make sure that we're honoring their time, their space, and ability to go through the applications. So we only apply for a couple of events. And I tend to have a good idea which ones are going to pick who. And she's like, okay. Two weeks later, she's like, I got a rejection from that small coastal town. This system doesn't work. like, said that was not it that was not your event then a day later you know tedx london said no i'm like that was not your event and then two weeks later harvard of paris yes following week cambridge yes oxford yes and then she's like i'm gonna do them all i'm like whoa that's three tedx talks in a matter of three months you know when we look at these things brian we have to think about how many wonderful ideas out there how much time do we have to dedicate because it takes between three months to a year to develop a beautiful, like hard hitting TEDx talk that's going to reverberate for years to come and change the lives of everyone in that audience. And if you're just willy nilly scribbling it together, it's not going to have as much of an impact. And that's what you want with your idea. Plus there, there are other people with brilliant ideas out there too. And we can give other people those opportunities because maybe their, their ideas will change one person's life. It's not mm-hmm. about how many views you get or how many talks and ideas you get out there. It's about who's that one person who's listening who really needs that idea right. and that could have a, a profound life-changing experience. So yeah. we need to look at that too. So how many events? Let's just focus on the one at a time. Okay. I have had speakers who've done back-to-back and we've worked together on that, Yeah, but, but that we already knew. also be a lot. Like you said, and it's also generally if you have an idea mm-hmm. worth spreading, mm-hmm. if you land three, if you were to get three accepted, the idea isn't then to go create two more ideas. And no, you started this with an idea worth spreading. So one talk, one idea worth spreading. And like you said, give other people the opportunity to do it. I mean, I was really blessed that I had two talks Mm. accept me. It was like, holy smokes. Yes, I have. But I had already Mm. accepted the first one. And so I was honest with the second the second host and said, you know, I just, I accepted this other one a few weeks ago and I was going to speak with them. I don't, I I don't know how this works, but I'm assuming that it would not be good for me to, you know, do two of these things. So let's let other people do it. And they, they totally agreed and are totally mimicking what you're saying right now, which is yes, do you've got your idea and that is one talk and you don't do multiples, just do one and see where it goes from there. I love that about you, Brian. And that's why I think you and I connected so deeply is because of that, you know, you have integrity, you have this ability to say, I know where I'm going with this and I want other people to have the opportunities as well. 
And it's yeah. not a scarcity mindset. It's an abundance mindset. And maybe yeah. somewhere years down the road, you'll be like, oh, you know, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to develop a new one because I had this really great idea. So right. I, I think that's wonderful. It's such a great character trait that you have, Brian. Thank you for that. I'm blushing over here. You guys. <laughs> and just for the record, I want to say, like, I, I, Sonessa and I did not uh, work together from, like, I am not one of her speakers. I reached out to her for this episode specifically because I wanted her kind of neutral third person perspective on, like, I had this crazy, my experience was three years long, this TED thing, and I was committed, and I went through all of this. And she was, like, this amazing point of clarity when I was going through the struggle of, like, I, I just wanted somebody to answer my questions on how does how does this Ted thing work? Cause nobody had shared kind of what we're talking about on this episode. So I wanted, I, I needed somebody to give a little clarity. So I, I had a conversation with Sonessa and she was nice enough to give me a few minutes to just talk about, well, here's how the process works. And some of the, like the, some of the, the clarity that came from, okay, she's done a lot of these. There's a little perspective there. So that was really helpful. So I wanted to reach back out to her so that I, I could kind of get some perspective on my experience is not necessarily the normal. So I, I appreciate you getting a chance to do this and, and making me blush at the same time. Stop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I only say what I see um, and experience. So uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Can we, I want to shift gears to, so now there's the developing your talk part, right? And so mm-hmm. I kind of want to compare notes with you because for me, when I went through it, I, what I cut the process that I used, and I'm not going to say this is the right process by any stretch. I don't have millions of views on my TED talk. That's not a thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what worked for me was, or at least what I found comfort in was I wrote the talk and for, I had, I was blessed with six months to prepare for this talk, which is not necessarily Mm. normal, but I had a lot of runway. So for me, what I chose to do was every like three times a week for the five and a half months before the talk, I connected with one person on zoom and I read them the talk with, I I speak with slides. So I had slides. So I shared the slides and gave the talk with them. And then at the end, I asked them, this, the one question that kicked it off was on a scale from zero to 10 with zero being not at all likely and 10 being extremely likely, how likely would you be to recommend that talk to a friend or colleague and why? Mm-hmm. And then we talked and I asked, is there anything that I could do better? And for me, I kind of, we, we kept going and kept going. And it wasn't until four months, five months into doing these three time a week talks that I got to a point where I was getting nines and tens for that answer on like, yes, I would recommend that talk to a friend or colleague. And so to me, that was kind of the, I I kind of followed that approach. And then for the three weeks before the talk, it was memorizing. You said it earlier that I loved. You said, you know, you have to, every word has to hit or have an impact. You said earlier, and that Mm -hmm. was very much, you know, a a Ted talk, you only have a certain Mm -hmm. number of minutes based on which event. So there is no wasted space. It's not the Ted speakers shouldn't, they generally don't. And you shouldn't get up there and just willy nilly wing it and just, Oh, well, let me just talk about this with no preparation at all. Or no, like you should, you should know exactly what you want to say because you have this amount of time to share this. And there are a lot of really good speakers out there. So if you want to do a good one, you can, I don't know. So that for me, that was the way that it evolved, but that was also me like figuring it out on my own and just trying it. So for on your side, is that what, what would you say about developing a talk, whether they're going to work with you or not? Do you have any thoughts Mm -hmm. on that process and kind of how that works or? I'd like to address two points on there first. One is the first, let's start with the the development and creative process. So um, I'm the creative collaborator who, you know, if you're a logic minded person, I'll come with as your creative muse. If you're more on the creative side, 
I'm the logic that you needed. <laughs> I'm the okay. thesis advisor you always wished you had. It's it's the creative the yin to their academic. yang. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and then having the full comprehensive team. So a lot of people when they start off with an idea, they start writing around it, and there's uh, there's actually a, a typical TED structure, and I I feel guilty about it because I think I'm the one who created it. <laughs> okay. It's literally based on my textbook and based on some uh, of my academic journals. And of course, as the first TEDx speaker coach in the world, you know, I was, and, and the more that I go through this, I think, ah, uh, that's not how we want to create. And a lot of people want to have a paint by numbers approach. Here's my idea, paint by numbers. Let's do this. This is what it should look like. However, if we sit down and, and do some creative play and you're like, Sines, I didn't sign up for poetry class. I'm like, yeah, Brian, you did. You signed up for poetry class. <laughs> <laughs> when you um, say creative play, me, the logic brain is like, oh God, creative play? Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's what so many people, one of my speakers, Michael uh-huh. Tate, he's like the CEO of Greenhouse. He was like, why am I doing this? This is the dumbest thing ever. I don't have time for this. I have a month before my talk. And I'm like, uh-huh. you know, we're doing intensive. Are you in or not? And he's like, okay, I need to and he's like, oh my God, this is the most like insightful thing I've ever done. And we've gone through that and and done the exploration. He's like, I had no idea how ins- this is somebody who is a CEO and an IT guy who created software for the largest HR software development firm in the world. And uh-huh. and he's like, Yeah, I, I'm more of a you know, so but the whole entire thing brought about like the the pinnacle points of his talk. And he ended, okay. ended up using some of this, this poetry that he had written in his, in his talk itself and on the slides. He's like, I'm going to use this. <laughs> I'm actually going to use this in, in our website and our, you know, in our marketing and training. So it, it is something that allows someone to have more creative flow. So what we're doing in a process where we're looking creatively is let's see what you have available to you. When we're looking at creating like the paint by numbers painting of starry night. Well, let's see what paints you have available. What colors do you have? How does this right. look? We put it all out on the palette and they're like, wow, well, you can't paint starry night without blue and yellow. And I don't have those. So <laughs> let's figure right. that out. And it looks like a mess initially. And then we're like, there it is. This, this, yeah. this, and it all comes together. And when we're looking at a TED talk, we're looking at it as, you know, an episodal part of your, your series, whereas a keynote, when we design that as well, like we're, we're working with one of my speakers on, mm, I'm not going to say the title yet because he hasn't spoken yet. So okay. it's a really cool title. It's just, oh, it's an amazing talk. But he gave this keynote in Australia. He flew from Canada, Australia to give this talk in front of 600 people. And when we designed that, that was more of a, of a dramatic film that has all the textures and layers that you need. And you want to create those textures and layers within the episode. And you want to be able to see how you can expand it out into a a longer dramatic form. So, (laughs) and I love the fact that he's also a nerd. My, my hobby is reading academic journals. So I like all the data. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You really have portrayed your yin and yang side. So that's (laughs) I really, with the creative side, the wordplay, creative play followed by academic journals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great. You know, (laughs) some of the best research comes out of Scandinavia, like in my future, in my, my next incarnation of myself, my next birth will be uh, in, in Scandinavia. So I can get grants for researching things like, Oh, there's a there's a fantastic piece of research on why everyone hates Nickelback. And that was done in Scandinavia. And I'm like, this is where I want to go before. Yeah. <laughs> These are my people. Yeah. Are, okay. Yes. 
<laughs> Look at so, this photograph. Yes. <laughs> Why is everyone, you know? Um, <laughs> and that came from oh. one of the jokes that we wrote in his in his uh, keynote. <laughs> so that's so funny. Um, oh gosh, it's hilarious. So yeah. Anyways, we want to look at what, what paints you have available to you and create from there. And so every single one of my speakers' talks is different. Every yeah. one of them has to bring in your personality. So when we're looking at that, you know, uh, maybe you might be neurodiverse. And, you know, how, do, how does that play in? How do you become you on that stage? You mm-hmm. know, some people may look at your talk and think, yeah, you know, not my kind of person. And I think, well, you know, that is that type of person. And you have to bring yeah. that out. And on the other side, how do you create it so that uh, it's uniquely you plus accessible to everyone. You see a lot of females who are trained by men and you can, you know, I was like, yeah, you were trained by man. <laughs> but you also see a lot of uh, the most viewed TED Talks are a ma- majority of the views come from women. So we also want to make yeah. sure that there's the accessibility approach to it. So yeah, you want to, you definitely want to take a whole encompassed look at it. You want to figure out like, what's your sense of humor? Like Brian has a great sense of humor. I would love to see more more humor and levity throughout your talk as well and how to paint mm-hmm. that in what that would look like what's your you know what's your status when it comes to bringing that levity in there as well how do you want to come across do you have a dry sense of humor and making sure that it's wholly you and that's that's the joy right. of it yeah. that's the joy and everyone's cool. different like johnson i had a different vision I'm like wow he's a very he's a trained actor from new york and a shaman and he's the most amazing just spirit that comes out and taking that and being able to play and say, hey, let's do something sort of mm, in a three act kind of sense. And let's mm-hmm. play with that when you, I don't want to give away the talk, but it's kind of got a little Harry Met Sally kind of feel to it. And when yeah. you see it, you're going to be like, wow, that really is him, which his initial drafts didn't feel like him. It felt and like you know, this looks like what a TED talk should look like. And I do. Him. So let's, let's make sure we connect. And I want to make sure I give the, to you that's listening, I want to give you all the links to these different talks that Sinessa, of course, we'll just brag about her speakers that she's shared. Cause I, <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll share my link for my talk and you can see some of these other talks that she's discussed. If the doing a TED talk is, is of interest, you know, that these might be, I know there's a lot of people who just love watching TED talks. And so I, I certainly have loved after I spoke with Sinessa, I checked out a lot of these speakers talks that she's talking about. So I, I really can identify with them. So I want to make sure I, I give you the links mm. too. Uh, May I answer part B to your question, yes. which was about the feedback area. So, so and that I find that works very well for some people in certain stage of the stages of the talk. If it comes too early, right. it can redirect the talk in the direction that that person has a perception of you. So for example, one of my speakers, oh, Monica okay. Rivera, she was speaking at a New York event and you know, we'd been working on her talk for like eight months and then she got booked. And, or we walked on audition piece for like six months and then finally got her booked. And then, um, and I was like, we need to start working on your main talk because you're going to get booked. And she's like, no, no, no. You know, she didn't quite have faith in, in, the, in everything. And like, just like, I don't know, are they really going to pick me? And like, yeah, this is really solid of an idea. It's, um, how, what, what is her, hers is the flip side of loneliness. And mm-hmm. so as we're working on that, she got booked and they're like, we need your first draft by Friday. Like, oh no, it's like, she's like, I should have been working on it all this time. And that's what often happens. Your situation, Brian, is very rare where they give you six months to work on it. Often it's, we want your first draft in one to two weeks. And that's too tight to turn it around. Now we'd been working on it and we had actually had a team of people to, to make sure that all the perspectives and the feedback was coming through similar to what you were doing. Whereas one of the other speakers at her event, the week before her talk, her friends decided to throw her a feedback party. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> those are fun. Yeah. Those are fun. Uh-huh. And everybody jumped in and was like, we want to be of service and be helpful. And they all gave her very helpful and insightful feedback to the point where she shredded her talk and she had a week to come up with a new talk in its entirety. Because people yep. want to be helpful. And yes. another one of my speakers, Rob Nugent, he um, he spoke on uh, on being grounded from the soul. He's a barefoot person who walks around the world. He's also someone who works with uh, suicide hotlines and how do we look at suicide awareness and grounding to the earth and connecting. And it's a little wooey, but it's not, you know, and he initially got feedback from people <laughs> on a weekly. When you described it, it sounds a little wooey, but I'm, I'm <laughs> with you. I'm sticking with you. Tell me, just- tell me, tell me. No, because we can't do woo and get accepted by TED and TEDx. And you can't talk about emotions and emotional awareness uh, these days because TED has gotten strict again. They used to have like these strict guidelines and now they're back to like, do you have a license for this? Not a coaching certification. Are you like Jesse um, Raphael Junta? She she wrote a book called Life Launch. She's a psychotherapist down in California, 25 years experience. She's published. She's got all these things under her belt. And she was speaking about how to deal with anxiety. And they're like flags. <laughs> but fortunately, we had enough to back it up. And, you know, she actually is a licensed psychotherapist. And, uh-huh. you know, she's published and all these points. And they're very being very strict these days. They were, they were calling okay. him too. But fortunately, he has a lot of accreditations, not through like, I'm a life coach kind of stuff, but more, you know, this is, this is the work and the services that we do uh, and okay. as a suicide hotline operator yeah. and manager. Um, but anyway, so his talk, so initially he was like, ah, I'm going to run it through my men's groups. And they'd go through and everybody was like, yeah, you know, I don't think you should talk about this because I know you as that. And it was their perception and projection of who they know him to be rather than the other elements that they didn't know about him. Because when we're connecting with people, like Brian, you might, some people might know you as like the productivity guy, but then you might have another aspect to yourself that's, that's there. Um, I also do stand up comedy and some people might know me as, oh, Sinesta stand up comedian. Well, that's kind of a, you know, <laughs> it's a different Ted talk than the, the speaker coach. And it's a different Ted talk than the TV personality and all your difference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got that, that makes a really good point. It's a very, very different thing. So we're, they're looking at you from one perspective and giving you the best advice that they can give you because they want to be of service. And when you get yeah. to a certain point, there is a point where people are never going to say, I saw this other guy take the stage and uh, it, it was not that stellar. Let's just put it that way. But no okay. one's going to say that. Everyone's going to come up and say like, oh, that was inspiring. Good job. Yes, exactly. If you can do it. I can uh-huh. do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. always going to be, that. nobody's going to come up and go like, yeah, that, 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 yeah, yeah. Mm, you really should have. And then the third thing that you brought up is, you know, a lot of people do want to speak from the heart. And I was at one of my speakers events and, you know, we trained for, <laughs> we trained for like six months for this. And I flew out to Pakistan to do this one. It was great. I get uh-huh. to, my, some of my speakers are so awesome. They're just like, I got air miles. I'm like, I'll go. <laughs> and, nice. Um, and right after they took the, they were on the stage, the next person came up, heard their talk, and it was like, oh my God, what was that? That was, you know, it was standing ovation is what it was. And then they come up and they're like, I'm going to speak from the heart. And they take the script and go, shh, 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 ripping it up, throwing it off the stage. And the audience is like, yeah, clap, 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 speak from the heart. And like 10 minutes later, speak from the script. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I know this because I have done this, you know, in my, in my, in my early days, I had done this before too. And what that boils down to when somebody says, I'm going to speak from the heart last minute is, well, 
I, I have this feeling, but it's also nerves and I'm not that, I'm, I'm not that connected with this. And if I fail, well, it doesn't really matter because I, you know, I just ripped up the script. But when you work on that idea for so long, like, you know, three years for you, right? Or when you're yeah. working on it for like six months to a year, you feel such a, a level of connection and conviction. With conviction comes uh, comes confidence and with competence, confidence and competence in hand in hand, you walk on stage and create a different emotional connection. And you're not yeah. in a memorized state of mind. It's not like a last yeah. minute, like, let me throw this together. It's integrated into your body and soul. Mm-hmm. That's where you want to be. That's like, I, d- I describe it like wearing an old pair of pants, like given that talk should be like wearing an old pair of pants, which isn't exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I feel like that pales in comparison to the amazing metaphor you just used about soul <laughs> and all that other stuff. But for me, it was like, man, this thing, this talk is so comfortable. I have delivered it so many times. And that's so I, I that's a, I, I, I love that sort of connection. And yes, it should be comfortable like that too with the, and that kind of leads to the third point that I want to talk about, which mm-hmm. was, so then delivering the talk. When it comes to the talk delivery, I I absolutely, I, I don't normally, so in my Productivity Gladiator workshops, I'm generally speaking to uh, groups about the the different, uh, all the different aspects of productivity and life balance and all this stuff, but it's very much an, a, a back and forth, like a workshop kind of thing. However, with the TED Talk, you have X number of minutes, you have to be very concise, you have to, so for me, I truly believe that, and and I read books on Ted. And for those interested, I will drop, I read two or three books on Ted. And if Soness has any ideas, I'll certainly share the links to those on Amazon with you too, if you want to read a book about this stuff. But I, I definitely got the message from those books that I heard was, okay, you definitely want it memorized, be very concise. It, this isn't a put a slide up and then kind of wing it kind of thing. This is, you want to be very uh, concise about that because every Every word needs to be precious and crafted to get that emotional connection as well as the message across and the idea very concisely. So like you said, what it was the, the two C words you said, concise, clear, concise, and replicable. Replicable, that one. Yes. So I, I love that. Do you have any other thoughts on when it comes to delivering the talk? Well, you said it beautifully. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here, guys. She said it was good. It's great. And everyone has a different, you know, a different modality that they go to, their go-to modality. And when we when we bring it across every single modality in order to embody it, uh, and it you should know if Monica said this great. She was like, I know this talk so well, I could I could deliver it as I was changing a flat tire in the rain. Um, but nice. Time, Ooh, that's a good metaphor. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite the pants. Uh, it depends <laughs> on what kind of pants you're wearing. Way, you know? that, hers is a way better metaphor and a way better movie than an old pair of pants. Like oh my God. changing a tire in the rain. Very different mental picture. I like that. Yeah. One of my speakers literally, she, she literally had to give the talk after the sky was falling. Um, she okay. parked her car. And, uh, she, you know, she parked a car parking meter and she's about to get out of the car. She's like doing a ra- last run through to go on, you know, to go into the venue and go on stage. And suddenly the building next to her explodes and, what? and just like all these bricks came falling down on her car, crashed into the windshield, everything, apparently like a, a power or like a water vein had 
burst within the building next to her. Oh Literally, this guy was falling. She like did a runner because the windshield was coming in and there was nothing going to save her. I was like, I'm not sure which was the safer situation there. She went in. She was able to not only just integrate a micro story of like three sec- like 30 seconds for that, but it also led into her point because she, she was so well integrated with that idea and that talk that everything, all the words landed, everything landed. She was also able to integrate 30 second micro story of, of what had happened. That was, it felt like it was part of the talk from the get go because it fit with her, her teaching and her, sure her, her structure is just it oh, totally worked. Yeah. But yeah, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And she's like, no, literally the sky was falling. <laughs> like my car is demolished. <laughs> um, and, and so that's yeah. that's a really great place to be. Not so that it's so memorized that you're feeling static in it, but no. that yeah. it's 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 so that it's more of how can I connect with the audience in this moment? How can I create that deeper level connection? And one of the things that I, I practice, I'm <laughs> unusual ba- background, but one of my Buddhist practices uh, that we practice at the temple here in Japan is uh, it's a practice of compassion. And when we can walk out on stage and know our talk in our mind, but also look at the audience and think, just like me, this person has felt pain. And look at the mm. audience and think, just like yeah. me, this person wants to create a change. And just like yeah. me, this person wants to be loved. And when we can bring yeah. that element to it and, and, and hold that and connect that and know where those moments and pivotal points are in the talk, that it's not just that because we staged it, but because we created that intention with every phrase and every word of how is this, how is this moment connecting with you and the audience? How is it creating this neurosync that we can connect and be able to communicate that idea without, without having to falter? And even if you do forget a word or two or a phrase, no one's going to know it because it'll just come seamlessly into the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think Got you said it. it really well. <laughs> okay. That's all right. So delivering the talk, that's well. And that, that kind of brings us to the fourth sort of overall topic that I kind of wanted to ask you about, which is, okay, now you've done this Ted talk. And so now mm-hmm. what, I mean, obviously it comes out and you tell everybody you text your friends, you post it on social media, like you, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And then what? So that's what, is there like uh what are your thoughts on what mm-hmm. next? Well, and obviously, things- everybody has a different path, but I, I'm curious what your <laughs> thoughts are. I didn't mean to jump in there. Yeah. You know, there are two things that come up for people. One is post talk shame. And oh. I'm not sure if you've experienced that or not. Are you familiar? Did you experience no. once you finished your talk? Okay. A lot of people experience post talk shame and usually not my speakers so much because like they really, really nailed it. Um, but even Brene Brown talks about this. Like she goes off, you know, she gets off stage and she's yeah. like, oh, nobody can see that talk and vulnerability. And she tries to break into the venue to, to steal back the talk. That is a real thing. That is a real oh, thing that okay. people can address. And the way to overcome that is one for the process of the, the deliberate and deep connection with the talk that you build over time. And that's going yeah. to eliminate the post talk shame. So okay. if you have overcome that, then you can move on to step two, which is, you know, of course you want to go on a, on a media blitz with it. And of course you want to share it with everyone, you know, and the algorithms for YouTube are constantly changing what's working, what's not working. Um, you know, how are we making that traction or not? And of yeah. course you don't know when the talk is coming out. Sometimes it'll right. come out within a week. And I've had, <laughs> I've had one of my talks that came out nine months later 
It's like, <laughs> my talk on yeah. miscarriage, what do you say? Like, I've had a baby in the time that talk came out, obviously. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So when we look at this, we just think, you know, you don't know when that timing is. So be prepared for that. Have that ready to go. Set up your, your social media posts in advance. Set up your emails in advance for your mm-hmm. list. Set up the connections like, hey, I gave this talk. I don't know when it's coming out. Uh, could you do me a favor? Could you could you connect with me now? And we'll do a recording about it. And then the week that the talk comes out, could you do me a favor and like just be able to nudge it in that week if possible? Or just right. after it comes out. Sometimes, you know, again, YouTube algorithms are constantly changing. So you want to be pre- prepared for that. I mean, you seem to have done a great job with that. How did you prepare? Uh, well, mine was one of those stories, kind of like yours was nine months. For me, it was one of those. I, I had a really interesting thing happen to me, Sanas, with mine, which was mm-hmm. I, I, they, everybody else's talk for, for mm-hmm. my, for my TEDx event came out around. So I did my talk on June 25th was the recording date. And then mm-hmm. everybody else's talk came out in like mid to late July and mine didn't. And so then it was one of those, uh oh, like, did I do something wrong? Did I, mm-hmm. did I say the wrong thing? Did I violate some rule? I didn't know I was like, uh Oh, I'm in trouble. What happened? Like, and so then, and all through the month of August and nothing. And so then in September, I reached out to my host. Hey, can you inquire about, and they, she wasn't getting a response back. My, my event host wasn't. So finally, by the end of September, I mean, at this point, it's now been three months since the talk. It's like, you know, I'm just, I'm going to email them directly and see if I can get a response. Mm. And so I, I sent the email and I ended up getting uh, a, amazing news, which was Ted received the talk and they liked it. And they, they did something where I don't know what this means, but they said, we want to notify your talk. Uh, and I still don't, I'm not clear on what exactly that means, but what it did mean is that they saw the talk and they liked it and they wanted to make sure that more of some of their followers would get to see it too, which of course is a, to me, it was an amazing, that's just a huge, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm that the, the whole idea was that it's an idea worth spreading. And so if you saw the talk and you thought that too, then like, okay, yes, I'm glad I did this. And so, but then that was early September and then late mm-hmm. September, no talk released October Still no talk released. End of October. I follow up. Hey, uh, uh, am I still like, is this still going to happen? So the bottom line is mine didn't come out until five months later. The end of November, November 29th was when my talk finally uh, came out. And so for me, it was, uh, it's really exciting. And I did exactly what I just shared, which is, you know, told everybody and posted on social media. And it was, you know, very cool. And at the same time, you know, I've also, I, I'm, I consider myself really fortunate because I, I mean, it's been, as we're recording this, it's been out for just a couple of weeks and it's got, you know, five digit views. We're at 50, 60 something thousand views on this talk, which mm-hmm. for me is also one of those. I know that my social reach is maybe a thousand or 2000 views. So like if all my friends watched it, that means a thousand or 2000. So I know that the idea was to get the, my, my goal was to kind of share this idea with the world and hope that it helps some people and it resonated with some people. And to me, I feel like that probably happened because I know that all these views that are on there are definitely not my friends or people that I know necessarily. And so I, I'm, I feel very uh, lucky and fortunate in that way, just because I feel like I kind of made a difference and I hope that it helps folks. Mm. And so I, that was, I had one of those stories, but 
I, I am now putting together a press release because I certainly want to, you know, share it with if potentially this could be helpful for some media want to pick it up or I, to me, the interesting thing is everybody has groups that they're involved in. So like, if you like, for me, I'm an insulin dependent diabetic. So I would like to share this talk with, you know, some of the diabetic periodicals. And so I'm going to, you know, I kind of want to craft a press release, but send it directly to them, that personal message. And so reaching out to some of the media for that, um, but I'm curious, is there anything else that other talks, uh, other speakers have done or other besides putting press out and going for media or getting picked up on podcasts or, you know, and sharing it with their friends? Are there any other interesting things that people have done with their talks after they've come out? Um, well, I, actually, I would like to acknowledge what you said about getting the notification from Ted or the Ted main stage. So what that means is they've decided like, hey, we're going to hold this off for a minute and ping people when it comes up. So they don't give alerts for every video that comes out. So let's say it came out on TED.com. They may have done one of two things. They may have put it out on, um, on a newsletter, or they may have just given like, uh, the people who are subscribing, they will get a notification. There's a new talk on online or may have come up through their YouTube channel, which would have said, Hey, new TEDx talk online, because every day they're uploading a whole bunch oh, like of TED, TEDx of talks. TEDx talks right. go up all the time. Yeah. Right. And and they know there's there's a massive difference in quality these days. You know, it used to be like, yeah. oh, every TED every TED and TEDx talk you see is amazing. And nowadays you're like, you know, I'll watch a couple minutes of this. Uh and then you're like, I, I gotta turn it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> so true. It, you, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. You, you don't want to be that person. So to get that extra notification and that alert definitely increased your views. And if they watched it for more than a minute, that counts as a view. So that's a wonderful cool. thing. That's a wonderful push that you got. So that's nice. fantastic. Uh, all of my speakers have been fo- featured on TED.com and so are you. So that was brilliant too, Brian. Not everyone yeah. does. Ted used to have very strict rules about, you know, no, uh, no woo woo, no sign, no, <laughs> how do we say this politely? <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No pseudoscience. Uh, sure. It, and so we need to be careful about that. Do you have the credibility and authority and licensure to be speaking upon this topic? Like if you're talking about mental health, you know, do you have a master's or a PhD in this kind of stuff? And that's what they're looking yeah. for these days. Otherwise they get flagged. So what you were saying was sure. a valid concern. What you were talking about was nothing that should get flagged. And I watched okay. your talk. It was like, yeah, there, there was nothing in here that should get flagged. You weren't going around okay. like, if you do this technique, your life will change and you'll lose diabetes. You'll be, you'll right. never have to take another <laughs> insulin shot in your life because you know how much you're worth an hour. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, yes. right. you're like, you need to know how much you're worth an hour. Otherwise, otherwise you won't be able to afford your insulin shots <laughs> because right. we know how exactly. the American medical, medical system is. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah, let's leave that aside. My goodness. That's a whole ep- segment episode on <laughs> medical insurance. And as well. But yes, oh, totally picking up what you're putting down here. Yeah. Right. And the people also ask, like, is it the event? And, you know, I, I used to think more more views came from different kinds of events. Like there are certain events within each country that Ted pays particular attention to. That's not necessarily the case these days. And that's why you want your talk to be stellar. I spoke at this this really tiny event. I think it was our first or second year. And it, I, this was a university I used to um, used to be a professor at. And they were like, hey, you know, we have this TEDx event. Would you please come speak at it? And I just come back from Pakistan uh, giving a keynote there. And I was like, oh, okay, sure, sure. And I was like, no one's going to see this talk. It's such a tiny event. It's going to get no traction. And then a couple months later, 
Ted calls me up and says, can we interview you? Meanwhile, I'm in, I'm in Switzerland getting my speaker prepared to go on stage the next day. And I'm doing uh-huh. an interview with Ted in New York. <laughs> Just like, and we would like to feature you on the Better Human series. I'm like, yeah, I know I could do a better job at being a human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, you're uh-huh. like, no, no, we think this talk really help creatives' lives. It's on. <laughs> <laughs> the Better Human series, not because you don't need to be a better human, but because you can help people be better human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know where the internal dialogue goes, like, you really suck. You're like, oh, I'm so much like Brown, aren't I? <laughs> Just like, I know, I was of- too vulnerable. I'm sorry, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. So they did feature me in their Better Human series and interview. And I think that gave a lot of traction for it. So it doesn't really matter. It was like, oh, the event's too small. Or it's too new. And it's not necessarily the case. I mean, I got picked up no. on this really tiny event. Yeah. Who knew? Why were yeah. they paying attention to that? It's an event in Japan. And I yes. was one of like two or three English speakers at it. Right. So yeah. it should not have been on the radar. Uh, but yes. it was. So really focus on developing a great talk, something that's going to really transform lives, but also get that opportunity while you're creating it. What kind of personal transformation are you making? How are you changing yeah. as you're in the creation process? And mm-hmm. that's important. One of the things that I can, and tell me if I'm on the right track. And do you feel like as you were creating, based on who you are, you created deeper relationships through the creation of this? Is that correct? For sure. I, mm-hmm. I, one of the things that I learned with this talk is to be a little bit more vulnerable and open mm. because I did not come from a place of wanting to share my story. Like my first version of this talk is completely different from what you see now on Ted. Mm. My first one, I didn't include story about diabetes. I didn't include like there, there were a lot of things where I, my idea was I developed this way to the, the fundamental idea was I developed a way to calculate the value of your time. And that's a really helpful tool in making decisions with your, and it was Mm. very other oriented. Let me help you. And instead Mm. it's a lot more stories from me and about me and my story and sharing some of that. And it took a long time for me to come in and finally be able to own that. And that was through that process of developing the talk, sharing it three Mm -hmm. times a week and sharing more. And every time I shared another story about myself, they told me that's the part that they liked. And it was like, dang it, I don't want to share more about my, you know, (laughs) but, but that was, so it's like learning. So for me, it was really learning about sharing my own story. And that was never Mm -hmm. something that was on my screen. So for me, that was part of what it was for me. And that's really interesting. And because you came from, you know, here's a talk about, you know, numbers and value and worth and Uh all these things, you're like, my story is not worth anything. (laughs) And Uh you're like, oh, my story is worth something. Uh, On the other side, like I was telling you about Jesse and her talk about how to deal with anxiety and her talk, she'd worked with somebody else prior to working with me and was like, oh, you know, I got booked for this TEDx talk on anxiety, but I have no idea what I was going to talk about. And they're like, oh, we have a Toastmasters style group now. Just deliver your talk. And she's like, okay, I'll go in and she's like, write up a draft. And they're like, oh, do more about how when you were 16 years old, you slit your wrist and or like huh. or cutting or something like that and how your uncle committed suicide. She's like, well, that's when I was 16. And she's like, all right, went back and rewrote it and came back in and she read it out and they were like, oh, that's good. And then she's like, this sucks. And then yeah. the next guy went and they're like, She's like, why is nobody telling him it's awful? And the next guy went like, this is so bad. And then she reached out to me and she's like, oh, okay, let's do this. And we worked through through that. And what we had to look at is the world is in in a state of global trauma. 
coming out of a pandemic or however you, your stat, your status is on the pandemic yeah. <laughs> with someone with long haul COVID. I'm like, oh, I'm still in it. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> I catch everything. Um, so, <laughs> but you know, how do we navigate that and how do we make it so that the audience isn't traumatized? Because you can't repack the bags of someone sitting in, in aisle six, you know, in row 16, you know, CE or the person watching the video. How do you create it in a way that it, we're not talking about trauma drama and people no. want to watch because they want to hear the drama behind it? Oh my God, right. tell me more. Yeah. Uh, because there's an elevation state. It's not necessarily the connection that we think we're creating. And on the other side, are we creating the potential for trauma? And so we restructured that talk completely backwards. Yeah. And it, and she said from the get go, she's like, this talk is not about me. Yeah. It's really not. It's about giving a practical tool and it's a very simple one. So we built it up with the, how do we connect with that person where they're at in their lives and focus the attention? Cause if you're dealing with anxiety in that moment, you don't need to hear like, Oh my gosh, I felt anxiety too. And when I felt it, I took magnesium. <laughs> right. <laughs> like yeah. I just went for a run, you know. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. You know, yeah. It's like here's how I dealt with it. And that's not necessarily the one size fits all approach she wanted to go with. So we need to look at that as well. So whereas you for you are you're talking like, here's my business thing. How do we how do we craft that? One of my speakers, Aisha, she had a mm, I don't want to do a spoiler alert on her story, but the story she's always wanted to lead with in her talk about how to bridge the gender gap through investing. She's a former VP of Credit Suisse in oh. Switzerland. And investing, you know, exciting topic. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's the driest topic you can ever talk about. And she wanted to open yeah. with this really dark story. Like, well, I want to make your dreams come true, but we need some levity after that. I said, you know, uh. seven years ago, I watched this documentary about the Bowerbirds. <laughs> I remember mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> Seven years ago, I watched a documentary of Bowerbirds and, um, and she's, you know, I told her about the Bowerbirds from the documentary and she's like, I'm not a Bowerbird. I'm not going to talk about them. Like you need some levity and shift of energy to create texture in your talk. You can't just leave them in this dark, negative emotional state and then lead to, so you need to start investing women and here's how you do it. (laughs) You have to like get them to where they are. And she's like, I don't want to talk about the Bowerbirds. I don't want to, no, that's not me. I'm like, but it's your audience. They are the mm-hmm. Bowerbirds. So when I went to Switzerland and we did the run through, she's like, I don't want to do the Bowerbirds. I'm like, do the Bowerbirds, do the Bowerbirds. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, I hate this part. And did the run through with, uh, in a different group that she was going to be speaking at. Uh, she, she was invited to another event, not a TEDx event. And yeah. everybody came running up. I am the Bowerbirds. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, they're like, uh-huh. I need to do this. And then at the TEDx event, there were 1400 people in the audience. And, Standing ovation. They're like, oh my God, she's such an, such an amazing storyteller. She's like, I hate stories. And she's like, I love <laughs> stories now. But people were running up to her after the event. I am the Bowerbird. And now, now she's got an entire course about financial investing. And the pivotal point of the course is the Bowerbird. The Bowerbird. Yep. <laughs> the Bowerbird. You got to go Absolutely. watch that. It's really fun. I don't want to give away the yes. story because it's, you know, like spoiler. I don't want to spoil something. But nobody knows what the Bowerbird is unless they saw that same documentary I did seven years ago. Um, right. <laughs> right. Well, I will make sure that I, I'll go through and, and so that's yeah. I'll have you send me some of these links and I'll look up some of them too. And I'll make sure that mm. if you're, for you listening, that you can go through and check out some of these Ted talks that you kind of heard us glance about. Cause it's funny to hear mm. these back, these background stories and then actually go watch the, the actual talk that's up there. And so this is cool. And, and so that's 
really that well so that that kind of drives through that that last point which is all right so now you've d- you've done the talk and that's it so i i, I kind of want to wrap here and what i i want to start with is by saying first here's what i love so Ness, i love that i feel like you have embraced your yin and your yang with like you've got the data science formula side and then you have the creative whatever side and i feel like whoever you're working with you become the end of their yang kind of thing when you're working with them and even whether it's even in conversation i get that vibe from you just talking with you today and as i did before and and i love that you bring that to the table but also with your depth of experience with and so i really appreciate you sharing the stories too you're clearly a very good storyteller and you totally get that and and so listening to people share stories versus, you know, we could have taken a mathematical approach to here is the formula and this is what you should do. And that would be a really dry podcast episode about what you should do in a TED Talk. So thank you for sharing all these. I love the stories and and what you brought. So thank you for bringing all of that perspective. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a joy to be with you. And I love that we can just have this sit down conversation very intimately. And, you know, like we're sitting at a cafe and having a... (laughs) Exactly. Having just the three of us chat. talking, you just listening and, and Sanessa and I, this is it. I, I love this. And now you had talked. So if people want to get in touch with you or they want to uh, keep follow you or stay in touch, how, what's the best way for them to do that? Just come join me at yourspeakingjourney.com. Yourspeakingjourney.com. You can connect okay. with me. Uh, I'm very rarely on social media these days. <laughs> Right. Um, but I, I don't really need to be, which is fine. So yeah, come yes. over to your speaking journey, journey.com. If you do want a more analytical approach and you want the step-by-step, you can download your roadmap to Ted from your speaking journey.com. And that'll give you point by point what you need in order to get your talk and your idea in a structured order and get booked to speak at Ted or TEDx coming 2023 very, is very soon. When we do look at this, cool. we're looking at you know, if we're looking at applying today, let's say we sent in an application today, uh, let's say January, we're sending an application January, every event has a different timeline. So it could be anywhere from June to next January that you could get booked for a TED or TEDx talk. So you want to download right. that roadmap to TED to make sure that you're ready to go. Absolutely. So connect with and connect with SNS. That That's so, well, yeah, you can connect so with me on Instagram, Sinesse Stevens. Uh, I think you can mm-hmm. still find me on Facebook, Sinesse Stevens. Just Google right. Sinesse. You'll find me. <laughs> well, and if you want the, and if you want the good, the, the stuff and some of the knowledge stuff, some your speaking journey.com sounds like, sounds like the win. And Thank you so much. And for hi and for you tuning in, I do have one specific request, which is, do you have a, a friend or a colleague who has contemplated doing a TED Talk or uh, has been interested in this? And if that resonates, if, if somebody came to mind as you were listening to this episode, if, if you would hit that share button and send them this little episode, I, two things about that. One, it, it furthers the bond with you. I love sharing episodes and things that come across with friends or colleagues that I have, because, you know, it's one thing to see how you doing or whatever, but it's very cool when you come across something and you think of them and you share that. So I, I plant that seed with you because if, if somebody did come to mind, I certainly hope you'll share this episode because getting to talk with Sines and getting to share that with others who might be interested for me is a very cool thing. And so thanks for watching. If you watch, thanks for listening and subscribing to the podcast or the video. And of course, and actually, if you sign up for my email list right now, I'll send you my three favorite time hacks so you can try them for yourself. These are like the three light bulb moments for people in my workshops that I teach. So you can try them out for yourself along with 
the knowledge and info that I'll be sharing and I'll share via email as well. Cause just like Suness said, I, I'm not on social media all that much either. I love connecting with people and I, I've I found I like email the most. So that's would love to invite you to subscribe. But with that, I just, I love sharing productivity with Gladiator with you. I love sharing productivity Gladiator. And that's a wrap.